Today's episode is the final segment of me interviewing candidates for the second vice president position within N4A with elections coming up on June 22nd. Be sure to get your votes in, and I hope that these episodes have been able to guide you in your decision making. Another episode of the Jack of All Trades podcast. As mentioned previously, we are going to be highlighting the candidates that are running for second vice president of N4A with elections coming up on June 22nd. So on today's episode, we are featuring Jackie Nicholson, who is the Senior Women's Administrator at Albany State University. Welcome to the show, Jackie. <laughs> Thanks, Jack. I appreciate you having me and allowing us to have this podcast for all of um, the Emporia Vice President uh, two candidates. It's, it's my pleasure. So before we get going on more of your profile and why you deserve to be elected as second vice president, um, can you please give us a brief introduction of what your work duties and responsibilities consist of at Albany State, as well as all the work you've contributed to our association as a whole? Okay. Um, right now, currently at Albany State, I am the Associate Athletic Director for Academics and Compliance and Student Athlete Development. Um, and senior woman administrator, as you mentioned. Um, so that includes me essentially oversee day-to-day operations um, of the Department of Athletics um, in conjunction with our Director of Athletics. Um, earlier this year, at the beginning of the 2019-2020 school year, I had the opportunity to serve as the interim AD um, for six months. So I had the opportunity to truly run the department um, from the top down, uh, which was a great um, experience for me. Uh, put me in another uh, realm and level um, to see things from a higher level um, and to know what is expected of AD um, and how you can be a transformational leader for your department um, and lead through challenging times. Um, so that was a great opportunity for me. Um, but day-to-day as well, work with our sports medicine program and strength and conditioning um, and oversee multiple sports. Um, so it's been a great time for me at Albany State. Um, I've been involved in collegiate athletics. Um, since 2001, when I stepped on campus as a student athlete um, at Virginia Tech, I was a track and field athlete, um, something I loved to do and enjoyed. Um, track was a part of my life for almost 13 or 14 years. Um, so it's something that I really enjoyed. Um, that kind of propelled me um, into a career in intercollegiate athletics, and it started with uh, my advisor in college who believed in me. Um, I was that student athlete who wasn't great academically when I first started, um, but she believed in me and truly pushed me into a career um, into uh, intercollegiate athletics. And from there, uh, once I graduated from undergrad, I had an opportunity to stay and finish a year of competition, um, a season of competition with Virginia Tech. Um, and there she pulled me under wing and said, hey, I think this is a career you should look at. And I joined M4A in 2005 um, as a graduate student and attended my first national convention in 2006 up in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Um, and I joined at a time when M4A was a very small organization um, now we are a very large organization, uh, but we are a very small organization at that time. And I've had the opportunity to watch um, M4A grow from that Pittsburgh um, convention all the way now um, to what was, was going to be our Vegas convention. Um, and during that time, I've had the opportunity to participate um, in PEI twice um, as a new practitioner and then also as a leader manager. Um, and then most recently with PDI, I had an opportunity to serve as a faculty member 
um, for the HBCU PDI track. Um, and what was going to be PI this fall is going to be the lead faculty member for that PDI track. Um, CEI um, has been a big part of my transformation in M4A. Um, I got lucky enough to be asked to serve um, on the board of directors as a member at large um, by Dean Boyd in 2015. Um, so that was a great opportunity for me. Um, and that started for me having a great conversation with Gene um, about the experiences of those at HBCUs um, and opportunities that we had in M4A. Um, and from there, that conversation led on to a conversation with Ken Miles, um, Ken Durant, um, Felicia Martin. So all of those individuals kind of helped um, push me in M4A as well. Um, so those have been kind of my lead experiences. And then right now, um, Denise called me uh, last summer and asked me if, or last spring, and asked me if I'd be interested in coming back onto the board of directors as a parliamentarian. So I had an opportunity to step back um, onto the board of directors under Denise as well and just had an opportunity to watch um, what she has done with this organization, Mike, um, Felicia, Jean, Kim, um, all the leaders over the last almost 15 years that I've been a part of this organization and, and transform it into what it is now. Phenomenal, yeah. So it really seems like you have a wide variety of experiences and lens to really look through um, when developing not only yourself but those around you within your own respective institution, but then also our association and our space as a whole. So when you're looking at it from a macro point of view, uh, what principles do you base your leadership style off of? Um, for me, my principle starts with service um, and service to others around you, um, making sure that those I work with, we all have that shared um, vision is very important for me. Um, and what we're doing, that vision aligns with the goals and mission, not only our department, but the institution. Um, communication is a big part of a leadership style and the principle for me. You have to communicate um, to communicate what you want and what you need as well, not only for not only behalf of your department and your program, um, but for the student athletes you serve. And then a big thing for me um, and a big leadership style for me in principle is always putting people first. Um, we have to remember at the day that the student athletes that we serve, they're still people. Um, the coaches we work with are people, the administrators we work with are people, and people have feelings and thoughts and opinions. Um, so making sure you're putting those people first and people know um, that what you what they do for you and for your department means something. Um, so between service, family, that shared vision, um, making sure everyone aligns, we communicate and put people first, those are kind of my main principles um, that I base my leadership style off of. Yeah, and when you're looking at it, in the leadership pot, those are definitely some core essential ingredients to really add to making a phenomenal leader, which you are. So when looking at your own personal leadership style, as well as what N4A is trying to achieve um, through the mission and vision of N4A, how do you believe that your that your own leadership style aligns with that mission and vision of N4A? Um, and for me, I could say, you know, my leadership style has changed over years as my responsibilities as an administrative change. It was focused strictly on academics um, and then straight to, you know, running the academic shop to now essentially running day-to-day -day operations of a whole department. Um, so my leadership style has kind of shifted and changed, and now I would say I'm more of that transformational leader. And it's funny when I say that because we're at a time right now in this country um, when transformation is happening. Um, and I'm going to think it's just transformation in this country, but in um, the world of collegiate athletics, 
um, we're transforming as well. And I always tell people, and I tell our coaches as well, um, we have to ensure that the student athletes who walk here, the young men and women we're here to serve, um, they cannot walk out as the same people that they came in the door in. Um, that's about transforming their lives and what we're doing for them as well. Um, and also just trying to make sure I've been very intentional of trying to have that same transformational experience for the coaches that I work with. So making sure they're engaged um, in professional development and they're growing as individuals as well, whether for Albany State or for their not next opportunity. And I think in 4A you'll see one of the big things is um, part of that vision is to be a global leader for academics um, and student-athlete development in athletics. And I think N4A is. Um, we are the go-to organization now where you see that the NCAA has truly partnered with us to make sure student-athlete development um, falls under now N4A and really, you know, moving things forward and moving the needle because they saw what N4A was doing and how um, they were being transformational leaders in that student-athlete development and I think that academic area as well. Um, so I think they align um, pretty well. Um, and M4A is going through, we're going through a great change right now. Um, we'll see how things happen and what, what the future looks like for M4A based on what's going on in our country right now. Um, so it's going to be a big change and a big challenge. Um, but it's something I'm looking forward to, whether um, the second vice president or still serving as a parliamentarian, um, I'm looking forward to being a part of the transformation um, for M4A and I would say NASA as a whole um, as we're moving forward as well. It really is a evolution as the needs of not only our society but our younger generation and millennials such as myself um, really are going to be the drivers of change from a ground level. And one of the things that you've done and you've mentioned is you've really poured into the younger professionals within our space by being highly involved within PDI in capacities. Um, and, you know, one of the things that you've mentioned is a quote from Max Dupree, who is a businessman but also a leadership guru. And uh, that quote is, the first responsibility of a leader is to define reality. The last is to say thank you. In between, the leader is a servant. So how is this quote important to you as a leader? Um, for me, because leadership is a, is about service um, and making sure you understand things from that larger perspective and lens. Um, another one thing that I learned um, in putting been my first true leadership role, I would say, in, in collegiate athletics was being um, asked to be captain of my track team, um, and I didn't want to take that role on. Um, because I knew what being a captain meant and what that looked like. Um, but I knew someone needed to step up um, to do it, but I had to define what being a captain meant um, and how I had to separate myself at times from my teammates, and not in a negative way, but, you know, this is what's expected of you on this team. Um, so I had to define truly what that meant, Micah. That was that first opportunity for me to find that as I go back and look kind of at my experiences over the last 15 years. Um, so truly, for me, it's defining what reality is and what that reality is for not only your department, but your institution. Um, that would be the same thing for N4A. What is our reality? What are we really trying to do and who are we really trying to serve? Um, so just defining what that means for people is very important. And some people don't know um, what that reality is. And sometimes we live in this box um, and we don't want to look outside that box. But sometimes you have to kind of step out that box um, as a leader and, and leader and define what reality is. Um, saying thank you. 
Um, sometimes that's important for people, and sometimes as leaders, um, we might forget to do it because sometimes it, it could turn into a dictatorship when you're telling people what to do. Um, but reminding people that you do appreciate them um, while you are a leader and telling them thank you. Um, and then just, just serve. Um, serve those who are around you. Um, I tell all my coaches, administrators, there's nothing that I tell them to do as an administrator and supervisor that I'm not willing to do myself. Um, so if you're out there doing something, I'm going to be out here with you as well. If your program needs something, I'm going to be out here to service your program as well. So just being a servant leader, if our teams are doing community service, I want to go out there and serve with you. Um, so just making sure um, that they know that I'm here to serve, um, and as a leader I'm looking at that larger lens and picture um, to help move the needle forward for our department. And I couldn't agree more with those statements. I mean, when you look at leadership, in my point of view, it's being visible, being being visible in, in a positive way and really being out there and understanding what the reality is. And one of the things that our association um, needs is perspectives such as yourself, uh, where the Power Five drives so much of what college athletics does. That's only five conferences, and there's a plethora of conferences that are involved within N4A. So it's really great to get that um, different type of perspective that I believe is needed. And, you know, as being second vice president, um, you would have to oversee <clears throat> membership services, academic and learning services, student-athlete enhancement, and diversity, equity, and inclusion. Um, so... Go, going through these uh, one by one, uh, what is one specific way that we that we could enhance the membership services of N4A? I think we're, we've we've actually taken that step and we did that um, when the executive committee made the decision, along with several other national organizations, to have that open membership um, for the 2020-2021 school year. We're saying 2020s all together. Um, but having that open membership now, so now you might have had institutions and individuals who wanted to join M4A in the past, but that wasn't an opportunity for them to join due to finances because you do a lot of limited resources. Um, institutions, when you get outside that Power Five, and you're talking about Division II, um, Division III, NAIA, and your junior colleges. So now they have an opportunity to truly um, get into M4A and get involved and be involved, and it's not going to cost them anything. So it's an opportunity for us now to reach out to those institutions who we know are not involved and truly ask them, do they want to get involved? And this is the opportunity so you can see before you buy, and now you know the value of what this organization has to offer. Um, so I think it's something that we're going to do, um, being very intentional, making sure we are reaching out to those organizations. I know being a member of the membership committee is something that we've done for years, but now I think people will probably be more willing to come in because if you're offering something for free, most people are going to take things for free at least for a year um, so you can see what that looks like. So it's essentially a one-year return policy. You know, you get to see um, what this organization has to offer and making sure we're taking true advantage of that. Um, and that's student athlete enhancement, um, just making sure we're getting out there and, and truly continuing um, the collaborations that we have um, right now with NCAA Committee on Academics. That's with Ursula truly being a, a mover and shaker for employee in that area. Um, and then one large thing that you'll see we're doing now more of is a partnership with um, NACADA, which is the National Association of Academic Advising, which is just academic advising in general um, across the board. We have that partnership with them as well. 
and then continuing things that we're doing with women leaders um, to help our student-athletes. So building those partnerships, we get to use resources from all different groups to help build what we're doing for our student-athletes as well. Um, when you're talking about diversity and inclusion, you know, one thing, this is a hot topic right now um, in our country, diversity, equity, and inclusion. Um, so it's something I think everyone's hearing now, um, but what does that mean for individuals? Um, but I say for me, it's, again, it goes back to kind of that membership, making sure when you look up the larger and broader picture of M4A, um, it's very reflective, like you said, of those Power Five institutions. Um, but most of our student-athletes, when you're looking at the participation, you get to those Division Two, and Division Three. That's where most of our student-athletes are at the NCAA level. Um, so making sure we have an opportunity to reach those student-athletes at those levels and reaching membership at those levels as well. Um, we want to make sure our membership is reflective of those we're servicing, so it's not just individuals um, from those Power Five institutions, but you're getting individuals from all levels um, to be included in what we're doing as well. And I think the last area we talked about was the academic um, and learning services. So I think that's an area that has truly grown um, over the last couple of years in M4A, um, especially under that learning, learning services. Um, that's important because we have a lot of student-athletes who deal with challenges, so making sure we have the best resources and tools um, and experts in that area to service our student-athletes is, is very important. Um, and I think that's going to be essential to continue moving forward. Um, as, as I see, we'll probably have more challenges coming back with our student-athletes because they'll be dealing with more issues um, coming back after what's going on in the country. And I think we'll probably see um, that learning services area grow to include maybe even mental health issues and challenges that our student-athletes might be facing as well. Mm -hmm. I completely uh, agree with that. And, you know, one of the things that he mentioned is the makeup of our population for our um, athletes themselves being mainly from Division Two and Division Three, and tying that in with academic and learning services. A lot of the practices that are discussed within N4A, with this being a uh, free one-year one contract for other schools is the practices that are discussed are high impact but low low resource things mm -hmm. that just could be really highly effective and really transcend our association and our industry as a result to greater heights. And one of the things that I really wanted to discuss with you because I found this to be really intriguing since I used to work at a HBCU myself, um, and now I'm working at a low-resource institution, is um, in what ways do you believe that your diverse background in athletics, being a captain and student-athlete at Virginia Tech, now to where you're the SWA at Albany State, in what ways do you think that, you know, your background can assist our association grow to new heights of success? I think for me, um, being that my diverse background, I've had an opportunity to work at SBS PWI um, in Virginia Tech. I work at SCS HBCU at North State, um, another SBS institution at UTSA, who was still kind of learning its way under that FBS level, um, and now an HBCU, a Division II um, at ASU. I think it has allowed me to see things um, in multiple lenses and levels. Um, so I can look at things from that Division I level and, and see how that trickles down to D2 um, and just see things from different ways. And um, 
have learned to be very effective um, with little resources at times as well. So that's allowed me to kind of stretch those resources and see things from all perspectives. And it's not just that one-minded track, it's multiple minds that you have to be thinking about. And I think sitting in the leadership role in 4A, you have to look at things from multiple lenses. It's not just that Division One um, Power 5 lens. It's that Division One FCS, that Division One Limited Resource Institution lens. And this is a Division Two, Division Three, NAIA, and junior college. Um, so you have to be able to look at things from multiple lenses and know everything is not um, everything is not black and white. There's a lot of gray. Um, we know there's a lot of gray in intercollegiate athletics. So seeing that gray and learning how you can work in that gray, um, but still keeping mind being mindful of that black and white and things that you know need to happen. Um, so I think that's a good thing. Um, that I bring to this position is that my experience is not just Division One. Um, they're not just Power Five. Um, they're not just large institutions. I've had the opportunity to serve um, even at smaller institutions and run a department. Um, so I've had that opportunity to do all those things in my time in intercollegiate athletics. Yeah, and I think that you know, as being elected to second vice president, it's really having that amplified voice at the table for the members of our association that might not feel like their voice is as valued or as as heard, which is extremely fundamental and essential. And, you know, one of the things is is uh, through your background and track within college athletics, and we mentioned this before with the athletes we serve as the global leader of academic and student-athlete development services, is um, how can your background in collegiate athletics help our association become more reflective of those athletes we serve? I think one thing we have to remember and put at the forefront is that everyone's experience in collegiate athletics, whether Division One, Two, Three, NAI, or junior college, um, is unique, and everyone has a voice. Um, and every voice matters. Um, sometimes voices at that lower level are not heard. Um, so making sure those who are not at your large institutions, making sure they understand that they're heard and they're important. Um, you'll see the same thing in your student-athletes when you talk about football, middle, and basketball. Everyone thinks those are your, you know, your most important. And sometimes your other students feel like, you know, they're left in the wind um, and no one's paying attention to them. And that's the same thing I would say in our field for administrators as well. Sometimes those outside the Power 5 don't feel like they have a voice and they're not heard. Um, so one of my things would be to make sure that those who are below that Division One SBS level, they have a voice um, and they are valued. Um, and making sure that they know there are ways to serve, um, ways for your opinions to be heard, um, and ways for you to get involved and make a difference um, in M4A. Um, so I would think those would be kind of some of the things that I would push in making sure that we know. Um, I think those who serve, I serve on the board of directors now, um, I will speak up. I'm not a very quiet person. Um, I will speak up um, when the time needs to be spoken to make sure people understand that we're being inclusive of everyone. We're not missing the mark on that as well, but still while moving the needle um, for all those involved as well. I think, you know, and then looking at that from a greater point of view, and maybe you can go in a different direction if uh, you want on this. Next question is, um, if you were elected as second vice president of N4A, what would be the legacy that uh, you wished to leave um, within N4A as eventually becoming the president of N4A just to have the growth track is set up? 
for me, I want to leave that legacy of that everyone matters. And I think we do a really good job of that as an organization right now, that everyone knows that they matter, but truly making sure we push that and know um, that everyone knows their voice matters. Still, when you when people look on, kind of at the leadership of M4A, a lot of people see, you know, those larger institutions serving. Um, but making sure that they can see that people outside of larger Power 5 institutions do have an opportunity to serve, whether it's on the board of directors or as chairs, um, of of, org- of the different um, areas and committees within athletics, um, within M4A. Um, so making sure people can see that their voices can be heard and everyone's, opi- everyone's opinion does matter um, and that we are inclusive while doing that um, during this time. Um, so this leadership position will be almost two years out. Um, so I have an opportunity to, to really help push that with the current um, second vice president and our incoming president now, who would be Ursula. Um, but making sure you have opportunity to truly push that um, and grow that before I have an opportunity to sit in that seat as the president. Um, so taking some time so by the time you get there, the work is pretty much done and the foundation is laid. Um, and our board looks reflective of that. Membership is reflective of that. And leadership within um, the organization is reflective of that as well. Yeah, and I think that if you look at our board of directors and just who the candidates are for second vice president, one of the things that I think is really awesome to see is that there's only one uh, person who's, who comes from the Power Five running for second vice president. And Ursula is, you know, working at UMKC, which is a mid-major. So mm-hmm. it's, it, it really seems like we are fostering exactly what we need to become. And mm-hmm. uh, now I just, you know, want to... Um, let you have any closing remarks that you might want to share with the listeners on why you deserve to be elected as second vice president. Well, you know, and I wouldn't say it's something, I always tell people it's not something that I deserve. Um, It's something that I want to do, and it's a way to serve those around me. Um, So I wouldn't say I'm I'm better than any other candidate. Um, All the candidates who are running for second vice president um, are running because they want to serve this organization and they want to see us move forward and continue um, the work that M4A has been doing um, over the years um, in academics and student-athlete development. Um, so I just want an opportunity to serve, um, have an opportunity for someone to serve from a smaller institution who you probably wouldn't see serve before. Um, so stepping into that realm um, for the little for the little guys, you know, say that with quotes. Um, so, you know, working for the little guys to make sure they understand that they can be heard um, I'm appreciative of what M4A has done for my career. Um, I've gotten some of my closest um, and nearest, dearest friends from this organization, and some of my best mentors are from this organization who helped pull me into this. Um, so without their leadership and guidance, I wouldn't be the administrator that I am now um, without my mentors and without M4A. Um, cause it gave me an opportunity to grow um, as a young professional um, to who is now considered a seasoned professional in this field, even though I'm, I'm, I'm still technically young. Um, in my opinion, I'm still young, um, but I'm looking forward to serving in 4A, whether beyond the, you know, the, the second vice president or still serving um, on the board of directors, um, and it's just something I'm looking forward to. Um, I know we are at a great time um, for this organization to move things forward and to keep pushing um, and changing things and be the voice of change and reason for the student athletes we serve. I love it, and you know, it's something that I think our society needs, too is just um, having the quote-unquote little guys 
heard because, you know, it's something that you've been able to do and it's something that um, I value so dearly and I appreciate you being on the show. All right. Thank you, Jack. I truly appreciate it. Um, Jack of all trades is something you've done and I I appreciate the opportunity to come and speak. Um, And I'm looking forward to, to the vote and seeing how this all goes in the next few weeks. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Jack of All Trades podcast. Be sure to tune in to future episodes soon where I discuss issues that are prevalent not only in our society, but also within our own athletic departments at our respective institutions. And as always, continue to live a life full of virtue.